Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Morning, Smitty. Okay, so we've got a, a news conference coming up this afternoon. Um, Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix. And what's happening there? Yeah, so this, uh, again, off on again, off again. Um, not sure. We're, we are expecting some clarity on the um, back-to-school plan. I don't think that's today. I still think that's next week. But this, again, um, uh, announced uh, with relatively short notice. It yeah, is, this was not previously scheduled event. No. So that's what some people are chattering this morning. Ooh, what's this about? Is this new well, restrictions coming down? Not the first time this has happened. We've had a couple of other unscheduled Friday announcements uh, from Dr. Bonnie Henry. I think it's more to answer questions, and yesterday's number, case number, 689 cases, I think took a lot of people um, back a bit. Um, yeah. Again, that's a very high number. Uh, it's third highest number since, or second highest number of cases since May. Um, again, but as I pointed out last on last night's news hour, we're, we're focusing on our high vaccination rate, which is great, but it's, it still ignores the fact that almost 800,000 people in this province have yet to get a single dose. And so when you got the Delta variant, which is very infectious, flying around out there, you're going to see a lot of uh, cases testing. We're also doing about 12,000 tests a day. We we're only testing about six, seven, eight thousand 8,000 a day a number of weeks ago. So we do more tests with a high positivity rate. For more than 14% in the interior is the positivity rate there. It's more than 5% province-wide. You are going to pick up more cases. Okay. How many um, How many people are unvaccinated, did you say? 792,000. Does that include uh, children? No, that's that's the 12-plus uh, population. So then you've got a, you know another big group under 12, yep. of course, they're unvaccinated because there's no vaccine for them. So... Uh, and those and those kids under the you know if you go to the CDC website, you, uh, go to this, the weekly situation report, go to page ten, you will see the age breakdown um, in ten year uh, intervals in terms of cases, hospitalizations, ICUs cases, the number of people who have died in that age group, and it's interesting you know the kids under ten are continuing to get uh, tested positive for for COVID nineteen. Okay, the people who are testing positive, so over 600 cases, as you mentioned yesterday, what percentage of those people are unvaccinated? Do we know? Yeah, so the uh, as of the last report, which only took us up to the end of July, about 95% of the cases, 94% of the cases are unvaccinated, uh, fully unvaccinated people. There's about 30%, 20 to 30% have one dose of, of the of the cases. Again, that's back in July. And what we've seen around the world is uh, everybody started out with that same percentage. And then the percentage of people who have been totally vaccinated, fully vaccinated, who are getting uh, the Delta variant has inched up a bit in some jurisdictions. We haven't got an update from the CDC for a few weeks now, which is a bit of an issue, quite frankly. I think we should be getting more updates. Uh, Ontario, for example, is releasing this information on a daily basis. So I think that's going to cause the BC Center for Disease Control to act um, quicker to get this information out. So it was 95% of the cases were unvaccinated. We'll see what the latest figures. It's probably a little lower, but probably not much lower. Okay, Delta variant cases spiking. What about people in hospital? Is that going up too? Yeah, it went up 14 yesterday, which was the single biggest jumps in one day since April, which is a bit 
which is concerning. Um, again, what we're although not, when you hear the number fourteen, it doesn't sound like a no, huge number. No, it's not. It, we're you know one twenty one uh, people. You know, we, we're not anywhere near our peak, which was more than five hundred people uh, back in April. But we are in a new wave, and the new wave is increasing numbers on a daily case number. And the number of people in hospital. But it doesn't seem to be the same type of uh, wave in terms of severity as the last wave, which put a lot of people in hospital, a lot of people in ICU. We're not seeing those numbers, but we are seeing a noticeable uptick in the number of people having to go into hospital as a result of a a severe outcome of this virus. Are we not seeing a large wave, a huge new wave of new hospitalizations because primarily the number of the people who are getting infected right now are typically younger? Exactly. So they're not. It doesn't. They don't get as sick. Yeah. So about um, uh, sometimes on some days, 70 percent of the cases are people in their twenties and thirties who are unvaccinated. That, that, that's you know the the lowest unvaccinated group right now is the twelve to seventeen year olds, and then the thirty year olds. The twenty year old uh, age cohort in BC is actually has a higher immunization rate than people in their thirties. But the daily case numbers, by and large, uh, and again, the CDC website tracks this. You can see it. It's, uh, um, you know, 50, 60, 70 percent of the cases are people in their 20s and 30s. And they're not going into hospital because they don't generally get as sick as older people do. And our older people aren't getting as many numbers because, of course, the immunization rate for people over the age of 50 is so much higher than uh, for the immunization rate for people under under a 40. It also varies geographically, of course. Um, you once, once you leave Metro Vancouver, generally the vaccination rates in a lot of communities start to go down. Nelson, for example, right now, you got the mayor of Nelson calling for restrictions because they're seeing a noticeable spike in, uh, in infections in Nelson, yet their vaccination rate is still fairly low compared to the province-wide rate. We're, you know, we're about 82%. They're still in the 60s. Okay, uh, back to school looming, and there are calls for speaking of restrictions. Some people want to see that mask mandate back in schools. Have a listen to this. This is Health Minister Adrian Dix asked about uh, whether there will be changes in school in the fall. Have a listen. The guidelines for this year will be uh, uh, are being updated with the circumstances. We make changes uh, uh, based on the circumstances, and that's the work that is occurring now. Okay, that's Health Minister Adrian Dix. Meanwhile, across the border in Washington State, this is interesting. Washington State Governor Jay Inslee announcing mandatory vaccinations in their school system. Have a listen to this, Keith. I'll get your thoughts. I'm announcing vaccine requirements for adults working or volunteering in K-12 schools, as well as individuals employed in higher education, early learning, and child care. Across the educational spectrum, We are extremely confident this will save lives, save lives of our employees, and perhaps most importantly, saving lives of our children. Okay, Washington State Governor Jay Inslee there, mandatory vaccines for teachers. That's the toughest vaccine mandate in the country because 21 states have vaccine mandates in schools and healthcare, but all of them, with the exception of Washington, allows an employee to opt out of getting vaccinated if they agree to be tested regularly, which we had, which was our policy in long-term care home up until a couple weeks ago, where you could opt out uh, and not be vaccinated. Inslee's rule is no exceptions except for religious and medical grounds, and that's that's it. You, you can't opt out and agree to be tested. You have to be vaccinated, and again, that's that's the most rigid 
toughest uh, vaccine mandate in, uh, as far as I can tell, in North America. Okay, mandatory vaccines for teachers just across the border next door in Washington State. What about here in British Columbia? Now, have a listen to this. This is the teachers union president Terry Mooring on whether teachers should be required to get vaccinated. Have a listen. We think that everyone that can be vaccinated needs to be vaccinated. And so all teachers need to be vaccinated, all support staff, all visitors to schools, everyone in the system needs to be vaccinated in our view. Um, And we've been um, very front and center on that. We believe that uh, our members are vaccinated at a fairly high rate, and that's based on some of the surveys that we have done. Our concern, our concern really lies with a 12 to 19-year-old age range. Last spring, we asked for um, vaccination clinics to be set up in schools um, because we were concerned about access for that age range. Uh, that didn't happen, and now we're seeing a fairly, you know, lower than what we'd like to see vaccination rate amongst that age group. Okay, BCTF President Terry Mooring there. So she's saying teachers need to be vaccinated, mm-hmm. but you did not hear her say that it should be mandatory vaccination for teachers. Yeah, it's a fine line for a union to walk. Uh, they have they have a fiduciary responsibility to look after the interests of their members, and that, but that cuts both ways. Is it the interest of your workers to ensure everyone's vaccinated or to protect the rights of those who don't want to be vaccinated. There's a bit of a balancing act going on here. But again, obviously, she she's leaning towards everybody getting vaccinated, whether they buy into a mandatory role. I'm not convinced we're going to see a mandatory uh, vaccination. One of the issues with vaccine mandates, we're right at the beginning of this this whole notion of, of mandatory vaccinations. We've never had that before. And one of the things we've never had before is enforcing a mandatory vaccination rule. How do you do that? How do you do that in schools? How do you do, do you have to show proof as a teacher or a student that you've been vaccinated every day? Who checks that? Uh, who does who does the legwork on this? And university, you've had university faculty on presidents calling for for um, mandatory vaccines. I was talking to a health official yesterday, saying, "Okay, let's say we had one at UBC. How do we enforce that? How do we check that? There's so many entrances onto the campus. Do you have roadblocks? Do you have checkpoints?" Um, do you, does a faculty member require to check every student's uh, vaccination status before they get into the classroom? Faculty aren't going to do that. I mean, the college president may think, or the college faculty president may say, yeah, we want to do it, but the membership, is, I don't think, is going to do that. So this is a very complex and brand-new problem we've never faced before. And also changing very rapidly. So Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, the Liberal leader, uh, announcing recently mandatory vaccinations for federal employees, with some exceptions. He's changed his tune on it. Have a listen to this. This is uh, an earlier clip from Trudeau. He's asked about mandatory vaccinations. He's in conversation here with Brandon Gomez on his, on his broadcast. And listen to what Trudeau said here a few months ago about mandatory vaccines. What do you do with someone with an allergy? What do you do with someone uh, who's immunocompromised or someone who for religious or, uh, you know, deep convictions uh, decides that, no, they're not going to get a vaccine? We're we're not a country that... Well, we're not a country that makes vaccination mandatory, for example. uh, uh, Apparently we are now. (laughs) Well, as we've been saying since March 2020... Everything's changing. Everything's evolving. The stuff that was we're doing now wasn't even contemplated at the beginning of the pandemic. So th- the science is changing, the protocols are changing, and the policies are changing. I think we're headed to more rigid, rigid vaccine requirements. But again, uh, how do you enforce it? It's going to be interesting. The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Raptors say they're going to do it. Are they going to have ushers at the door checking their vaccination status? Probably what has to happen. Okay, real quickly, it's uh, disappointing the uh, PNE 
uh, roller coaster won't be available this when it opens up. As the king of the roller coaster, as a kid, I worked there for 10 summers, 10, 10 fairs. Uh, it's it's too bad. It's a fabulous uh, ride. Too bad they couldn't fix it after the fair. I know. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. When I was a young guy, working teenager on the Midway, I knew the the chief foreman of the repair crew of the roller coaster. Huge guy. Always had tobacco-stained dresses, dress clothes um, uh, with chewing tobacco. Just a complete mess. Great guy. Typical Carney fashion. Huge guy. Guess what his nickname was? Tell me. Tiny. Tiny. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Okay. <laughs> Keith Baldry is my guest. Phone lines are open. Star 9898 on your cell. Catherine and Burnaby, hi. Hi. Uh, I was just wondering, three provinces are doing um, booster shots. Um, especially for seniors' homes, since we've seen so many, you know, 10 senior homes with outbreaks, mm-hmm. and they've start, they had vaccinations in January. I understand that they're saying from WHO that uh, it's worldwide we need more vaccinations, but the people who want to get vaccinated will get vaccinated. So mm-hmm. why aren't we doing boosters like three other provinces? Thanks and for call. Three other countries. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, I talked to health officials about this yesterday. As a matter of fact, we are working towards that, but the timing is still unclear. And you're right. The, the seniors got the vaccine first. They were they were at the front of the queue back in January. Uh, they will be first up for a booster shot. Not sure when it's going to be. It uh, could be this fall or it could be next spring. We still also, the priority is trying to get the general population, adult population or 12-plus population, Hopefully ninety percent, and we're not there yet. So that's the priority. But the third, uh, that third shot is being worked on in terms of a schedule. But we don't, we don't have the details yet. It, it seems inevitable that a booster shot is yeah. coming. Yep, right. and it's going to be seniors uh, who get it first. Okay, let's go to. Is it Catherine? I got Nick, call, sorry, Colleen in New West. Hi, Colleen. Oh, hi, Mike and hi. Uh, Keith. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, Keith was saying we've never had to deal with mandatory vaccines. Well, Keith, uh, back in the 50s, I was born in 51, and Dr. Salk developed the vaccine for polio. And before we registered at school, I grew up in Victoria. You had to have all your vaccinations and, you know, they, they, to register in elementary school. And another thing, uh, Dr. Fauci, his dad was a pharmacist in the Bronx, and all the kids then, when he was six years old, had to be vaccinated for smallpox. And that's when he decided to dedicate his life to epidemiology, you know, at six. So I think for the generation that saw polio and the Queen Alexander Solarium, 
that was built not far from when I, where I went to elementary school. And I remember going by there with my parents and saying, can we go in and visit the kids? And my mom said, no, you can't go mm-hmm. in there. There was a, a fence. It was like a concentration camp. You know, those wire fences with the barbed wire on the top? Mm-hmm. And there was a gate there, and there was a guard on the gate, and no one was allowed in there. And interestingly enough, they've never built in the Arbutus Woods because it was all a protected area because it was for the kids with polio. Thank you very wow. much. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thanks, Colleen. My understanding, it wasn't mandatory, but you were not allowed to go to school unless you were uh, vaccinated, which is actually is the rule, I think, right now for measles. So, again, it's not necessarily mandatory, but we are working towards, uh, uh, again, we're in a new frontier here. Uh, but Colin's right to invoke what went on with polio is a nice parallel here because, again, the polio vaccine was experimental. You know, uh, Jonas Salk developed that. If uh, you recall, back in, uh, if you recall, not, not that you and I were alive for this, but um, the uh, we were alive, we, were, we don't remember it, but there was <laughs> a, a problem with the, some of the first vaccines of polio uh, because yeah. there was a, a problem in the United States. It was a bad shipment that ended up getting kids sick. And uh, Canada's health minister, which was Paul Martin Sr. at the time, had to make the call, do we continue the vaccination push and requirement, or, be- or do we stop it because of this bad, uh, what- what's happened in the States? He decided to say, no, we're going we're gonna to continue on, which is a great call. And the Americans had to do the same thing. Polio, the polio vaccine could have been derailed because of that bad situation in one American state where a bad batch of vaccines got people sick, but health officials decided to literally roll the dice and get people vaccinated.